0: Today, I sit down with Craig Fairbanks of Fairbanks Builders. Craig is the design expert at Fairbanks Builders, and he started designing homes in high school with his father. Those years of design experience have helped him develop a keen eye for detail and a good ear for listening to customer dreams and desires. Design is the most important part of any building project, and it takes much defining and refining to get the plan and details just right. This conversation with Craig was really fun for me because his business started with his family, really with his dad, and has transitioned from you know building a little bit of remodeling, but focusing on design and kind of spotting trends as things have moved along. So, really enjoyed this one. And now for the conversation with Craig Fairbanks. Hey Craig, glad to have you with me today. Well, good afternoon. I'm excited to dive in here and uh, maybe just give us the rundown. You know what's the the name, the company, where are you guys located, and uh, projects that you guys do.
1: Our company name is Fairbanks Builders. Pretty easy name. That since that's our name, people confuse it with a neighboring town called Fairbank, and they want to know if we only build there. We never build there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just own the town, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we, yeah, we own the town. Well, there's an ethanol plant there, so. Fill up my gas tank there once in a while. No, <laughs> so, anyway, so so we've been here in the Waterloo Cedar Falls, Iowa Metro for uh, basically about sixty-seven years. And my dad started the company in 1953, and uh, I started working with him from uh, a very young age, and and learned from learned hard work because he was a hard worker, but he was also a craftsman. Which is not found much anymore. Craftsmanship is something that uh, is hard to to teach. You know, you have to have a real interest in doing it. But uh, no, so a real craftsman, and he, uh, he used to design his plans on a sheet of paper uh, with a ruler and a pencil, and he was very good at it in space planning. and uh, And that's what I learned. He used every single space of a house so it had function and. Uh, so that's, you know, so he was really good at that, worked on the job, didn't have uh, a lot of employees. His best workforce was his three sons and uh, until we had to move on to do something else. So, <laughs> so anyway, but uh, yeah, so my brothers and I, and now my, my son are, are in the business and he's kind of learned the same way and we're working him into the, to the business side of it. So that he can carry it on, because I'm not wanting to be as active as I used to be. But uh, anyway, so in our market, you know what we build here has always been uh, it's been design build custom homes. And uh, around 2008, when the market kind of crashed, there was an obvious change in what people were willing to do, and we decided that uh, McMansions weren't going to be it. So, (laughs) so we looked for what was probably the next thing on the horizon. And we did the demographic work and we found that uh, senior living was uh, was a good target market and uh, decided that uh, that we would delve into single family, total accessible homes. And our demographic was 60% of the households in, in our county uh, were over the age of 55. Wow. Yeah, and so it was kind of a no-brainer. So that's what we did and put up a spec house, the first one. We actually did a smaller one, but it was on a lot smaller scale and a, a less desirable location. And but the first one we put up, I had an open house in the spec house across the street. We had to pray to homes the next week, and I walked out of my open house, and across the street was our other spec home, which was the aging in place. And just due to the articles. There was four couples there, all four bought. Wow. <laughs> all four bought, you know. Uh, so the spec home was sold and we had three more to build and uh, uh, kind of decided that there's something going on on here. And we found that, that my generation, although there's plenty of opportunity to uh, uh, go into care facilities and, and active adult living and stuff, Due to just the, the operational costs of the month to month cost, people weren't looking to do that, and so, and a lot of people aren't wanting, they still feel they're healthy enough and they're not wanting to get into that community type thing. They want, they still want their own house, single family, smaller yards, and uh, so those folks fit right in. And so, it's kind of split right down the middle. Some will say, Well, this is the best opportunity we got, so we'll go to the the active adult, and the other people go, well, the worst thing that happens is we build a house that appreciates, we sell it, and then we go to the, go to the facility. We just skip a step, and we, well, we'd like to have our own individuality. So, so that's where we landed, and that's what we've done ever since. All of our homes, whether it's a family home or whatever, end up being accessible, at least on the main floor. But uh, we built several two-stories, we built multi-generational, which is I think will become a hotter market as time goes on, but kind of interesting part of that is uh, we talked about McMansions. The two really large multi-generationals that we built uh, were some of the most expensive and largest homes that we've ever built. so but it made good sense for the for the families uh, with mainly a, a parent and, and spouse and then the family and kids. so it was a it's a good market, you know. Yeah.
0: That's Yeah, that's cool. And it's it's fun kind of hearing some of the transition there. It reminds me of uh, actually my family out in the Seattle market. And they started, I think it's four generations ago for me or something like that, and uh, started with a lot of spec building and building communities. And then they built their own apartment buildings, but they actually ended up building two senior facilities. And so now they actually are more property managers today they manage those two facilities and 8 or 10 apartment buildings and that sort of thing but i think it's so fascinating within this industry like you you pivot you adjust you kind of look at the market you guys did the demographic studies and kind of found that that opportunity i want to go go back in time to kind of the the early years like did your dad always no, he wanted to be in business for himself. Was he doing that the whole time you were growing up, or was it like he was working doing something else, and then was like, I got to do my own thing?
1: Well, he was actually working in a factory because my grandfather was a supervisor in a in a packing company called wrath Packing Company, and I think they have facilities that were up in the Seattle area or Portland, one or the other. Okay. And uh, so he was working there, and uh, not what he wanted to do. He just he hated it, you know, everybody stuck in there. And so he started building houses part-time in, in 1953. And uh, within probably two or three years, uh, he quit and went full-time. So it was kind of nice he had a goal. So I assume this is the way it went, was uh he wanted to have his own house paid for by the by the third one, which which he did. So, so it's build and move, build and move, and uh, and then went on to to do a lot of custom stuff. So
0: yeah, very cool. Yeah, and then you you got involved uh, just growing up. Just
1: growing yeah. up, I started. Uh, actually, I got involved earlier than I probably thought I would. But uh, I started taking architectural drafting in uh, in my uh, my ninth grade, and uh, something that I really liked. And I was always disgusted with with my dad's plans because you know they didn't have to be very detailed cuz most of it was in his head but it was very frustrating so <laughs> at 15 uh, we, I started designing his plans and doing it you know redesigning exteriors and some of the interiors and stuff like that and then through high school we had a very had a very good high school so i mean our education was really good and got a lot out of the architectural drafting class had a great teacher but that was the start i mean that's really how i got into it and i actually got into it because i love doing design the work was okay i mean i like the work you know and all of that but at some point there's other things that you want to move on to but i really like design and we really like working with customers and giving them what they want
0: yeah yeah that's cool it feels like a lot of people are coming into this industry now more on the design side you know they like the other pieces but whether it's design, build, new, or design, build, remodel, or whatever, you know, it's, yeah, being able to plan it with, uh, yeah, space in mind and look and feel and, you know, what the customer is looking for. I'm curious, like, how did the transition go, you know, from from your dad starting it to then it sounds like you got involved. And and I think you said your your brothers, like, yeah, I think family dynamics are so interesting. And, and a lot of these businesses, that's the only way they, they continue is like going through family, which yeah, I think has pros and cons, you know. So yeah, I'm curious like how that transition went.
1: My two brothers, my next youngest brother, the middle one, that was never his thing. He really didn't like it. He was more of a, an artsy guy, so he ended up being a uh, hairdresser in Dallas, Texas, and uh, was quite good and quite famous. And a lot of companies uh, had him come in and demonstrate, and uh, Unfortunately, uh, a bout with uh, colon cancer caused him to be able to, to not really be in the workforce a few years ago. My youngest brother was a, was an exceptional worker. He's a good craftsman, and uh, he likes to build furniture and and those kinds of things. But uh, then he was doing uh, painting for a long time. But then he got a job at the at the John Deere's here, and uh, which is you know more steady, a little better paying. He just didn't want to continue on with the family thing. It wasn't. It was too hard to. It was too hard for him to, to try to meld in and, and roll with the punches. You know that your dad's the boss. You know those. There's those those conflicts.
0: For sure. And
1: uh, uh, and I guess I survived it. No, actually, I worked at John Dears for a number of years in aside, and built uh, on uh, uh, the side. And in the mid '80s we had that crash and uh, the jobs were unbelievably leaving town. I mean, it was, I mean, house prices were, were cut a uh, minimum in half. And so there wasn't any building going on. There was two houses built in uh, 1985. One was my dad, my dad built one and I built one. That was it. <laughs> and uh, there was nothing going on here. So I decided that at some point, yeah, I had to to go somewhere else to to make things work. So I was going go to go to to Phoenix, and uh, something came up, and I went to Des Moines, and I couldn't believe all the stuff that was going on, and took a job selling real estate in the new construction field. That was a slam dunk <laughs> <laughs> for me. That was that was pretty easy, you know, with design experience and working with customers. Uh, did did very well, but it wasn't. Uh, my wife didn't care for living there. It's a different, it's, it's, probably, it's probably the most unique place in the state of Iowa. It's real progressive and you know, people are just go, go, go kind of people and they want to get things done. They also have a lot of respect for talent. And uh, when they see talent, they don't care who you are. They, they want to use that to, to advance what they're doing. So, so the talent we got from, from design work and being in the construction field was very helpful. But as I said, we moved back and things still hadn't recovered. And uh, so we did some, we did a little bit of remodeling, sold real estate for a few years. And uh, an old banker friend that we bought lots from got, us back, got me back into the business. He just said, you're selling real estate. You're a great builder. We need to get you back in the building business. So we, we did a spec home in 92, uh, uh, I think it was, 91 or 92. And uh, and did it on a partnership basis. And by the time we got done, we had three more houses to build. And so I ended up back in the building business where I didn't think I was ever going to go. But on my basis, I didn't work with my dad at that point. He just wanted to keep, dad wanted to keep things small. He didn't want to to go out there and take any risks. And, you know, he was about saving. And, and uh, but if you're going to grow as a company, you can't always do that. And so, so we did well, you know, so it was just exciting. So it's been, it was a long, it was a long run to 2000. Well, we had some downtime in 2000, but it's a long run to 2008 before we had any bad time. Most builders at that time had never experienced a downturn. You know, I was in here for 10 years. You've probably never seen a downturn so you don't know how bad it can get. Well, it wasn't long after that, but uh, the things did go sideways and you really had to scramble to, to keep things going. It was, it was very difficult. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, yeah, you were probably in the minority in that you had been through a tough time. It also had like a really good run up. So I would imagine you were probably more prepared than the guys that were, you know, five, 10 years into it. And they're like, Oh, this is easy. You know?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. and Kind of right now kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I see the same things going on. I see, uh, I see inflation is, is doing quite well. They're the best marketers of all, this inflation. But you're seeing that people are uh, anticipating inflation. And so you're seeing about a 10% jump on every time you, you get a quote. And I understand that. It's just difficult to keep going. So we're working real hard on keeping our prices down because people have budgets, you know. Otherwise, we don't build. You know, it's just it's going to be I think we're at a point where I hate to, you know, not pessimistic because still keep getting calls. People still want to build, but it's more of an effort to get the the prices down to where they can say, okay, we've done about as good as we can do. Let's move forward. So.
0: book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to Blueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, I'm curious, you know, over the years, you've probably, uh, bumped into like a wacky project or client story or, you know, something, anything come to mind that you can, you can share, obviously leaving names out of it and that sort of thing. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> but actually I think it more recently than going way back, you know, going way back, you know, in, in, in the nineties and even into the mid two thousands, you know, customers were, you know, and you did, if you did a good job, they really appreciated what you did. It's different now. And maybe that's price or whatever it is, but it doesn't matter how good you do. They're looking to pick every detail, you know? And uh, I don't mind that, but let me finish the job (laughs) and then start the list. They start the list really early and uh, they want you to take care of it right away. And it doesn't work into my schedule, you know? That's We're not at that process yet, but that's the more difficult part has been when when you deal with, Retired people, especially, they don't have anything better to do. This is their life, you know? So they want to be at the job like three or four times a day.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing that they got going on, right? Yeah.
1: That, you know, and fine for me if I got all the time in the world, or my people have all the time in the world, but people don't work well when the homeowner's there all the time. Glad to have you come and talk, you know, and joke around, but we're trying to work. And everybody doesn't work well when that happens. So you get into this difficult thing about, okay, you know, you have to be honest with you that this isn't going to work. And uh, that's the biggest trouble that we've had on the last uh, three or four that we've done is that you have to have that honest conversation that, you know, I'm not, I know you're excited. I want you to be excited, but people don't work well. Can we confine this to maybe twice a week? You know, and let me know when you're coming so that we can prepare for it and then we can give you attention. And uh, But really, you know, it finally came down to we need to have a meeting once a week where I just give you an hour, hour and a half, whatever it takes to go through everything. So keep your list. Let's get together and do that. That helps a lot. It's still hard for them. You know, it's hard for them to stay away. But, uh, you know, in some cases, and they're sort of a project, it's really, especially with liability the way it is, it's really difficult because they might think they know what they're doing, but you know, you step in the wrong place and have a fall. That's that'll help end my liability insurance. So <laughs> but anyway. yeah, for sure. So that's the diff- That's that's the difficulties. One of the quirky ones when I can think of recently. Like I think they're all kind of kind of interesting, but had a. Uh, Oh, this this is a good one. Customer wanted to build this craftsman bungalow, and I'm kind of partial to that. And I built a lot of craftsmen, but I've never got to build a bungalow. And um, so we did that with a customer, great customer. Everything was going good, but in the process, the customer decided that oh, I'm in you know I'm in the trades, and uh, I run elect- electrical crews. And, and uh, I see, he goes. I see you got you got sand compacted in the garage. He said, "I don't want sand." And I said, "Really?" He said, "No. Nope, I've had too much experience with it. It'll settle out." And he said, "So just put on-site clay in it." And I'm sure I don't know whether he was thinking that was a good idea or he's trying to save money. So sure enough, we we do that. Okay, and uh, we've got a tandem garage. So I've got this wall that's like forty some feet long. Okay, and it's not. And it's not totally backfilled. It's slopes, and so it's got a lot of exposure there. So we water it during the week and and fill it up pretty good on a Friday night. Monday morning, my concrete guy put another foundation, and it's the same kind of process. Goes next door and looks at it, and, of course, the wall is bowed out over a foot. And it's because the clay just expands. And... uh, uh, so we lost wall. It, it was a $35,000 gig and, uh, you know, the customer should pay for it, but you know how tough that is. And yeah. so we did, we ended up biting it, you know, but it was a lesson. It was a quirky lesson to learn. I guess I could have pushed for it, but don't let a customer tell you how to build.
0: Yeah. If, yeah. if
1: they do sign off, you know, if I'd had them sign off and, then that would have been a different story. But, you know, we took care of it, you know, so so the house job took us probably an extra, I don't know, it took us about 60 days to, to cure all of that problem. So we were delayed 60 days. And I think, and, and the husband was pretty angry at the end, and I think it was just about the time that it took. And, and I wanted to, you know, there's lots of things that I wanted to say, which I didn't, but, you know, were it not for your getting involved in this project, Uh, we would have been done a lot sooner. So, yeah, those are kind of the heartbreaks. You hate those, but they happen. You know, never happened to me until now. So until (laughs) a couple of years ago. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're right. I mean, some of this stuff happens, you learn it the hard way. You try not to, but uh, it's kind of like getting your real world MBA in some ways. Like, all right, I paid for some education there. (laughs) I wish I didn't, but you know, that's all right never happen again. So,
1: <laughs> well, I should, you know, and, and, and I should have been smarter than that, you know, just to be honest, you know, I've been a real estate broker for 45 years. And when you do, when you do real estate, you, you CYA everything, yeah. you know, you're not, if you go to, if you would go to a real estate closing, everybody is covering themselves so that, you know, in case anything happens, they're not at blame. So yeah, that was, a, that was a good lesson to learn.
0: Yeah, that sounds like it. I don't want to learn it again though. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we'll just learn that one once. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. Well, Craig, what do you think the the future of the business looks like? It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you've gone through a lot of different pivots, you know, through your journey and now your son's involved. I'm curious like what the vision is. We
1: tried to work with a franchise a couple years ago that does panelized homes. And I, I love the concept. Okay. How perfect you can make. A wall, and stand it up, and you can you can cover a house, an average house, in in a day and a half. You know you can have it covered, and uh, that's a that's a, a, and we like that. However, the you know we were stuck with the uh, with their pricing that was just outrageous, and we didn't have any choice, so it didn't work out. But I think it's it's headed to a direction that it will on average houses that it will be modular. I, I just I'm dead certain. I don't know how how you can compete with that eventually. It hasn't been a it hasn't been a smart route right now, but more and more it's taken over some of the markets. So and then minimum uh, is the penalization, you know, as labor becomes scarcer and scarcer, it's there's there's got to be some of that. And it seems like when you can get it into a factory uh, factory setting, that you can be more efficient, and so they can still make money and still produce a product. So that's where I see it going. I think that that we're going to see continued push on the energy side, even though it's crazy. You know, we're at a point where there's just a diminishing return, and uh, you know, so you want to spend another ten thousand dollars for. $100 in saving on utility bills. And uh, we've always had efficient homes even going back to to the early days, we always believed in uh, sealing a house really well. And so remember, our customers always were happy with the utility bills. They were surprised at how much less it was than the house they moved out of. And that that remains the same. You know, that that continues to change, which is a nice thing. But some of it is so crazy that uh, I don't foresee it changing. And the more and more that the officials continue to regulate and uh, push things into the up to a project, I'm I'm very concerned about any kind of home affordability for a lot of people. You know, we we meet with the uh, uh, the regulations. You know, about once a year, and every time we meet, it's like okay, it's five, ten thousand, and it just goes. And, well, we got to have this, we got to have that. You go, know, really? Uh, we've been doing fine without it, you know. But, you know, some of the some of the stuff that's happening in the building codes will continue to get pushed. And one of them is probably what's been done with fire codes and the way we build houses. And uh, actually, it, it's been kind of a controversy here because, you know, one of the things that's happened is, is that that the houses are so well built. And fire stopped, and everything. They only have one major fire a year, and it's not in a new house. And so yeah, the question yeah. is: is uh, well, maybe you don't need that many, that many firemen. So they totally switched what they do here, and say they've actually combined the police and fire. And mm-hmm. when they have when they have more bodies, they can use them. And cause a lot of controversy, but you know, I see the cost. I don't know if there's any cost savings at this point. But we're getting less fires. And uh, when they push the the sprinkler issue, which they comes up about every year about whether we're gonna not enforce that or we're gonna enforce it, if they put sprinklers in, we could probably eliminate firemen, you know, in time. But we have less of a fire problem than we've probably ever had. And that's just due to the way homes are built. Oh, density. Density for years, you know, because we're building the more active adult and they want smaller lots. And uh, so for, for, for whatever happened in the past, they would always push for single family lots to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And nobody was using them. So that when you tried to, to do something because your customer didn't want a big lot, you got a lot of pushback from zoning. And we do development too, and uh, probably done doing that at the moment. But real resistance to 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 giving us some density so we could reduce costs. You know, it's a not in my backyard thing. And, and even though land can be zoned properly, you have neighbors that go down and raise heck at, at planning and zoning meetings and, and since they're citizens, the, the people think they have to to try to make everything bend to what the what the neighbors want when it's really not possible all yeah, the no. time, you know. That was an experience going through uh, that process of with three stages of a subdivision, and uh, each one got worse. <laughs> so <laughs> it should get better, but anyway. But that was that was enjoyable to build. You know, when I'm in the neighborhood, sitting here now, and, and uh, to be able to build a whole neighborhood out, see how well it went. You know, I mean, maybe the mon- you know the money you know money gets spent and all that stuff, but the satisfaction is there, and uh, yeah, happy that I did it. You know, learned a lot. You know, it kind of gives us a leg up on some stuff. You know, yeah. knowing the things you run into and things to watch out for. You know, my customer is buying a lot. Uh, well, this is what we got to be careful because this probably come back and bite us. You know, so before we move forward, let's find that out. You know, so so it gave us a lot of knowledge in that area. It's good for my customers.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's cool. And um, yeah, it's fun to. Here you talk about the future in, in a few of those different areas. Cause um, yeah, I think we're in for, for a lot of change over the next few years to wrap things up. You know, if you could leave uh, other, you know, business owners like yourself in the remodeling space and the design build space, custom, that sort of thing. Like, what would you say?
1: Have a plan, start with a plan and start with a goal. You may not achieve it, but you got to have a direction that, that, takes you to where you want to go, you know? And as they all used to say is look at the end instead of the beginning, and then how do I get there? And then plot the steps, I'll probably take wrong steps, but those adjust themselves out, but at least you've got a goal to where you want to go. You know, we didn't start that way. You know, that was just like, we just want to build houses, you know? And all that, we didn't have any goals and all of that, but as you get a little older business, you go, yeah I need some goals or they're just not things aren't going to go the way you want. So right now I'm at a point where I'm t- trying to transition my son. That's my goal is to to get him if that's because he's dedicated to the business. so if that's what he wants to do, then it's my goal to get him there now. He didn't have all the the good educational experience that I've had, but he's very intelligent. so and probably one of the best things about teaching, <laughs> probably you mentioned, uh, i get a system to do all my work in. Now, we use, we use Co-Construct, and I'm not switching anything because the communication side of it's really good. But that's where I'm able to teach him every aspect of a job. And it's in a system that, that's easy to understand. That's a big help, you know, is to have something like that. And not just, not just the system. You know, you have to have a company that has good support to help you through that. Because they they always have them. The other thing that I would mention, or where I start over again, try to get along somebody that that you trust, that can help you as a mentor. You know, not even somebody in the business, but somebody who has been successful that you can run things by. It's always helpful if they've been in the business because they might have and be an answer. But to get alongside uh, somebody who has that. Knowledge of just living life and, and running a business, and probably the other thing that was most beneficial to me was uh, joining National Association of Home Builders. You know, not necessarily locally, although that's beneficial, and, and you you get a lot of synergy and you hear a lot of things. But we de- we dealt pretty deep into the education side with NAHB. And that's where we got our certified agent in place, our master builder and all that stuff. And so those education opportunities have really helped, you know, it's just knowledge that you don't get anywhere else. So education probably up there, you know, yeah. membership in, in your trade organization is, is up there and then having systems in place that, uh, at least you can start. And, uh, Probably number one as a mentor, just to say, what do you think? Yeah. And uh, haven't always had that. So uh, so when you do have that, somebody gives you an instant answer, you're going, well, why don't we just talk sooner? <laughs> 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 anyway. But yeah, that's, those are the things that that in some ways I, would, uh, I wish I would have been a National Association home builder sooner. We delayed because I couldn't see the value in it. But once I joined, I found the value in it. And we did Builder Twenty Club, so we've done a lot uh, that home builders has really helped. I couldn't say enough good things about it, and especially now with uh, uh, when you see what they're doing with the uh, the trade tariffs with Canadian lumber and the, the the ability that they've had to to go in politically and make changes, they're just they work really hard at it and that's what makes that's the things that make our life a little bit easier to not take care of everything but they do a really good job yeah yeah
0: yeah no that's a good point point. and um yeah a lot lots of good advice there i think to to wrap up for people i like the, the mentorship piece i feel like that is very undervalued just when you think about having a mentor or somebody that can guide you and always got to have a goal in mind otherwise you'll just be floundering so Craig, yeah. I really appreciate you spending the time and, and sharing your story with me today.
1: No, I, I've um, often wanted to communicate with you. So it's, it's good to do it. I like the things that you do and I'm really appreciative of it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.